Blade Runner, E.T. the Extraterrestrial, Tron, Conan the Barbarian, Poltergeist, John Carpenter's The Thing, and Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. And what do all these movies have in common? Well, you know, they all came out in 1982. And for the past four decades, we've been watching these movies over and over again. But as we are about to discover, watching them was only the beginning. My name is Scott Mance, and I'm a film critic or as I like to call it, a film enthusiast. I'm a fan, and I am so excited to announce the start of a campaign so we can start filming a documentary called 1982 Greatest Geek Gear Ever. We're going to be bringing you an in-depth, fascinating, and totally gonzo look at the greatest geek gear ever. 1982. We're going to be traveling the globe, interviewing the stars, the filmmakers, and the super fans. So support us and help us by going to our Indiegogo campaign. And as an incentive, I hope you'll check out some of the great backers rewards so you can help us get to the finish line and we can all party like it's 1982. If you're a fan of the 430 movie, you'll love Best Movies Never Made, hosted by myself, Josh Miller. And Steven Scarlatta. Where we explore some of the greatest movies never made, like E.T. 2. Johnny Quest. Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian. And Halloween 3D. New episodes available every other Monday, wherever you listen to podcasts. <laughs> This is Mark A. Altman, and this is Viva Las Vegas Week on the 430 Movie. And once again, our high rollers are here to tell you what to watch. Starting on Monday, <laughs> Snake Eyes, Steve Melching. I'm going all in, baby. On Tuesday, <laughs> cutting the cards, Baccarat, pass me the shoe, Darren Dockerman. You'll get your shoe, and, and I'll double down on it. And on Wednesday, he always bets on black, Ashley Edward Miller. <laughs> Never bet against the house. I'm just saying, just, just don't do it. It's wrong and it shouldn't be done. There you go. Vegas. Well, you know, it's interesting timing because, of course, uh, three of us, I'm not going to say which three of us, are uh, at the time of the recording of this episode are heading, heading out to Vegas. Heading out um, to Vegas. Yeah, yeah brother. Vegas. So, uh, <laughs> wow, that was really terrible. I just so I, I, uh, I want to ask you, you guys fans of Steve Melching, you a fan of Vegas? You've been there a lot. You enjoy the, uh, the, 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 the town and the, in the desert? Uh, no. <laughs> no, I, I, I've been to Vegas. Uh, the first time I, I was in Vegas was in probably the early 80s when it was still kind of rough and seedy. And the mm. big attraction, I remember we stayed at Circus Circus, which is, mm -hmm. you know, where you could stay if you had, you know, children under the age of 18. So right. me and my sister could go to the video arcade and watch the trapeze artists mm. while my parents didn't gamble because uh, we don't we just. Just not, it's not our thing. And I've no, been to Vegas a few times since then. It's just, uh, it's just not my scene. Not my scene, man. I know somebody on the flip side of that, somebody who loves Vegas. And that man is Darren Doctor. I love Vegas. 
okay, I don't love Vegas. I like it a lot. Um, I like it in small doses. Uh, but uh, I've always enjoyed it from when I first went with uh, my roommate at the time, Chuck. He loved Vegas, too. And uh, we would go out there on the cheap Vegas weekend. Uh, and uh, I, I think Palace Station was the, uh, the selection. And uh, it was a dump, but it was fun. And, uh, you know, you could uh, pretend you're in a Bond movie. <laughs> what about you, Ashley? Are you a Vegas fan? I, I love Vegas. Or, you know, in the original pronunciation, Vega. I, uh, I know I'm a, I'm a huge fan. Um, and, uh, you know, my, my wife and I even, uh, it, it became less so like once we had the twins, but even with Caden, mm. we went like twice a year, you know, and it, I, I think like once you figure out how to do Vegas, right? Like how to plan your evenings with your dinners, with your shows, with the whole nine yards, like once you figure out that you should not attempt to walk uh, from the Mirage to the MGM Grand, Vegas becomes a magical place. <laughs> you know, it's kind of awesome. Um, no, I've I've always had a great time there. Uh, Do you have a I, favorite hotel? Yeah, I love the Win, dude. Uh, the Win and the Encore. I'm a I'm a big fan of that. I also love the Venetian. Um, what about you? Uh, what about you, Darren? You know, I love Mandalay Bay. I love the Bellagio. I mm -hmm. I, I like the Win a lot. Uh, and you know, it, it all depends on it all depends on what the uh, situation is and what the plan is, depending right. on uh, where you're where you're positioned on the strip. This week mm -hmm. we won't be loving the win or the Bellagio. <laughs> no, we will not. <laughs> well, it's funny we we uh, we had a time. Remember um, our good friend uh, Rob Burnett uh, got married in Vegas on um, uh, New Year's Eve, nineteen ninety nine. Yep, and. Uh, he had a costume wedding at, <laughs> yeah. uh, in, in, in Las Vegas. And I remember there half the people stayed. Where did we stay? Because I know some people stayed to Stardust, but we stayed at, uh, where were we? At the we Bronx? were at the Rio. We were at the Rio. Were we? Oh, we were at the Rio. Oh, God, I was yeah. At, I, yeah, I was at the cheap hotel because I didn't have any money. Well, it was more expensive than the one I was in. <laughs> God, it's so sad because... Back when I first started going to Vegas, some of these hotels I loved have really become kind of dumpy now. It's like, I remember we used to love, I mean, the first hotel I ever stayed at there was, I went on business, stayed at the Mirage. That's when it first opened. And But I remember we used to go, we used to go Treasure Island after it first opened. Absolutely. And, and they had that video where, where, um, where, where, where they said, uh, and we used to love watching the video because it was so ridiculous because they really... At that time, it was like Pirates of the Caribbean, the hotel. They were very true to the theme. And I remember there was a thing about the, the kids disappeared. And, and, and he said, no, no, we left the kids with the pirate babysitters. And I think it was uh, somebody at the front desk or something says, we don't have pirate babysitters. <laughs> and it was like, we just thought it was the goofiest thing because it's like they're joking about child abduction. But of course, it wasn't, you know, the kids were like on a magical pirate adventure. Right, but um, aren't we but all it like was, the uh, But we used to just we would stay at Treasure Island just to watch that dopey video, yeah. Because uh, we would just like die watching. It was that whole. I think it was Steve Wynn actually who said because at the time he owned it before he sold to MGM Grand. It was like 
we don't have pirate babysitters. And it was just the best. <laughs> no, yeah. Because I remember they came up and said, aren't you the Steve Wynn? Because of course, no one knows. Who, no, at the time, right. no one knew who Steve Wynn was, right? Yeah, put but his they, elbow through a Picasso yet. But it was like this Trumpian kind of like, of course, everyone knows who I am. I'm Steve Wynn. So it was like, literally, they would. he, he was like Stan Lee. He had a like, cameo in his, you know, in a hotel He was uh, like video. Willard White. Yes. But it was so... <laughs> It was so funny. It was like, aren't you the Steve Wynn? So but, many uh, like Vegas memories. Like uh, the first time I went uh, with one of my buddies, we uh, we went into the Mirage for the buffet. Uh, and it was like the week or two weeks after the whole horrible incident with Siegfried and Roy. So they still had mm. like these big billboards for Siegfried and Roy. And I remember walking in and it was like an advertisement for the buffet. It was, remember, one of the tigers, I think we grabbed. He had Roy his own buffet. For and the then, Tigers, and, the Siegfried and Roy sign was the buffet. Yes, exactly. Well, that was the <laughs> sign said, Siegfried and Roy, all you can eat, all you can imagine. Mm, and yeah. I just died. My wife and I renewed our vows at the, oh, uh, the Star Trek experience in the, uh, <laughs> in the Hyatt. Right. And the person who gave away my wife uh, to me for the, 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 the sum of $1 was, a pirate? was uh, the star of Dota Dragon's Blood, Yuri Lowenthal. Well, there you so go. there you go. Right. But there you go. Now, of course, it. Ashley is talking about his hit Netflix series. That's right. Dota Dragon's Blood, on currently on Netflix, which will be beginning its second season uh, on Netflix in the in the very near future. Yeah. Um, what? Oh, you're talking about renewing vows of the Star Trek experience. Wasn't Rob married by Mr. Spock? Well, it wasn't like a different Trek experience. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. was at the sci-fi wedding chapel. Yeah. And for those of you who <laughs> listen to Inglorious Trexperts, you may recall the tale told to amuse your captain in which um, we went to the wedding rehearsal and Spock got very indignant and told Rob and his blushing bride, you can't stand there because the audience can't see me beam in. And that's why they're here. <laughs> it's like, and I think it was actually I who said, wait a second, we're not here to see you beam in, dude. We're here to see the wedding. So it's okay. And then I, the greatest thing was, so Rob and Yelena put their hands on the orb of love, right? This was a big oh, yeah. glowing ball with the, you know, and, and Rob like literally recited the charm of making from Excalibur. Genius. It was the best. It was the best. We had a, we had a, in that retrospect, pretty, that, that was, probably wasn't a good idea, but you know, it was fun at the time. Well, do you, do you I remember, remember, what I, remember, remember, remember what I did at the wedding? Did you pass out? I, I you was were Indiana I was in, Jones. No, yes, I was were, no, you were the Austin. six million dollar man. Oh, I was yes. the six oh, million dollar man. Yes, you were also the yes. ring bearer, I believe. I was the ring bearer, and I had yes. a little uh, sound effects keychain hidden in my left hand. So when I was asked to bring the ring forward, I extended my bionic right arm with the ring and hit the button of the keychain that had the uh, the the bionic sound effect playing in it. So I had a little that was the shot. best. <laughs> you would hand over the ring and it go. Doo, 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 doo. It was the best. <laughs> that was how how I could have forgotten. You you that was like the highlight. That forget Spock beaming in. Forget the wedding. You handing the ring. That was the highlight. I don't that know. I think your your costume is Emperor nope, Ming. No, no, no. We're not talking about that. No, nope. we're not going to talk about the discount Emperor I, I Ming. I had costume. all the photos destroyed. I I, I I I'm trying to. It's been a long time, and we don't need to talk about how. <laughs> how I was well, we all had a show well this is the thing Rob insisted we all show up in costume right, right. everyone yeah. 
Yeah. And I'm not a costume person. I don't like it. I don't wear costumes. I'm not 12 years old. I'm not a cosplayer. <laughs> but he is debatable. <laughs> so, yeah, debatable. So I went as Ming the Merciless, and my date went as Princess Aura. But um, the thing about it was Rob shows up. He's not in not costume. Not in costume. And I had <laughs> yeah. driven him around to Western costume and a bunch <laughs> of stuff. And he'd gotten like this really great, like gladiator costume or something. I don't remember. And, 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 and so we, sh- we show up at the wedding and Rob is not a costume. I'm like, you made us all wear these freaking fracking costumes. Why aren't you in a costume? He said, well, I felt it would demean the seriousness of the event. Wait a second. You mean Spock? Doing the wedding, the charm of making, the fact that we're all wearing these Fakakta costumes. We got the six million dollar somehow... man. We got the six million dollar man. We got uh, we got Ming the Merciless. We have Obi Wan Kenobi. We have Rick Deckard. We have all these sci fi characters. Doctor Who Coneheads. Doctor that? Who the Coneheads. His relatives, the Cones. Oh my we're goodness. We're the Coneheads. It, <laughs> it was quite the thing to see. Yeah. It was it was it was a really nice wedding. Oh, my favorite though, I think my favorite costume was our friend Sean Lafleur, who was dressed as a NASA technician with like yes. the, the white Kurt shirt and the black tie and the little uh, radio the uh, headset. headset. Yep, <laughs> yep, that was great. It was very that was very that was good. great. And I remember, you know, in the Jewish tradition, when you you step on the glass to, after the wedding, it was a golden steer, and mm. his dad loved the golden steer. It was mm-hmm. great. It was delicious. Dick was a great guy. And I remember whoever stepped on the glass, I guess it was Rob, they cut themselves on the glass. Oh like the glass God. didn't break or something. Like it was, it broke in the wrong way. And it was like there was glass everywhere. Glass, Ooh. glass. It was Who like McLean and uh, Die Hard. You're talking about glass. Like, and of course, uh, it was, and of course uh, the big thing was we were all introduced to the TV show Cheaters. Oh, God. That's right. Cheaters. Like it's two in the morning. It was yeah. on in Vegas. And we were all in somebody's suite at the at the hotel watching Cheaters. And we thought it was the greatest thing ever, which might have was. had something to do with the alcohol. A little bit. Yeah. But um, but yeah, so many great times. I mean, there was that short-lived dalliance with uh, Vegas had with uh, families where they were going to you know, try to turn into a family town. And so right. back in the day when I was doing... Uh, you know, my magazine for Larry Flint, Sci-Fi Universe. Um, we did Sci-Fi Kids Day to raise money for I Have a Dream Foundation at uh, at the MGM Grand when they had the amusement park. That was a great time. That was a wonderful, fun event. I talked about that on Trexpert, so I'm not going to bore you with it now. But that was, that was a great event. So I have a lot of fond memories of, uh, a lot of fond memories of Vegas. Um, you know, and I think the key is, like you we'll said... Have- We'll have fun memories of movies about Vegas. Yes, indeed. <laughs> indeed, we will. Which brings us to this week's episode, Viva Las Vegas Week, where we're going to be talking about movies that take place in Las Vegas. Now, as always, there are a couple of key movies that are not eligible because they've been picked in the past. One most recently was Swingers. Mm-hmm. You're so money, you don't even know it, but it's not going to be money this week because uh, we can't pick it. Also, um, <laughs> There were a couple of other Vegas movies. Uh, Ocean's Eleven was recently right. picked on the show. Mm-hmm. The Not eligible. The and original. the remake. Both of them have been picked in the past. Right. So neither are eligible for this podcast. Um, is there another film, Steve, the keeper of the book? 
I, I I actually didn't check this time, so I don't know. I, I those okay. two I definitely remember, or those three I definitely remember. We had yeah. Yeah. also yeah. just last time we had uh, uh, Flintstones in Viva Rock Vegas. Oh, that's yeah. right. Not that's eligible. right. Just that's right. Not eligible. Not eligible. Good point. Okay, but there are a lot of films that are eligible. There so sure are. let's find out what they are. As always, <laughs> we curate our fantasy theme week of classic movies. Uh, Monday through Friday, we start as always on Monday with Mr. Stephen Melching. Well, I, I got a problem with my Monday pick because um, it wouldn't uh, it would never air on television in this in this form. Uh, we'd have to show the version that was edited for VH1. Uh, <laughs> I'm talking about a movie that um, the filmmakers went all in. Uh, they they risked it all. They spent forty five million dollars to make this epic tale of uh, I, I of uh, of a young drifter going to Las Vegas to make her fortune as a dancer. Oh God! <laughs> and of course, she stars in the the uh, the great. Uh, she she gets a job as as a, an exotic dancer, which uh, ultimately leads her to in the chorus line. And then the finally the star of the hit show uh, Goddess right. at the Stardust Hotel. I'm talking about Paul Verhoeven and Joe Esterhaus's Showgirls from 1995. So what are you going to Vegas for? You gonna win? I'm gonna dance. There's a spot open in the chorus line. We're auditioning tomorrow morning. I think you should try out. I got an audition. Okay, ladies, I got one interest here, and that's the show. I don't care whether you live or die. I want to see you dance, and I want to see you smile. I can't use you if you can't smile. I can't use you if you can't show. I can't use you if you can't sell. From the creators of Basic Instinct, the last time, they took you to the edge. This time, they're taking you all the way. We take the cash, we cash the check, we show them what they want to see. You got more natural talent when you dance than anybody I've ever seen. She's going down to the stardust. She's going to be in the show. Right? If someone gets in your way, step on them. It's not fair. It's not about fair. It's about power. You're a stripper, don't you get it? I'm a dancer. She's dazzling, she's exciting, and she's what Las Vegas is all about. The passion is real. I could fall in love with you. The desire is intense. You can't touch me, but I can touch you. I'd really love to touch you. And the show is about to begin. Showgirls. Leave your inhibitions at the door. Um, this is a movie I'm sure everyone or most everyone listening has seen this movie. Uh, it's crazy over the top. Uh, Esther House says that he, uh, it, by the way, he was paid $2 million up front to write this script. And got another, well, I think, almost another almost two million 
uh, on the back end uh, production bonus. Uh, How do you get real back end? That's the amazing thing about this. Uh, I think story. I think it was a production bonus. So when it went into production, oh, okay. he got that the he got the rest. Yeah. Okay. Because the movie, as Ashley was saying, the movie bombed. I mean, or underperformed. It made like it made less than forty million on an over forty million dollar budget. But to be Although, fair, there's a lot of back end in the movie. <laughs> oh, there's a whole lot of back end in the movie. <laughs> And 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 uh, and it did have a I'm long. Sure Esther House got some a, of it. <laughs> had a long tail. Uh, had, it had a lot of tail uh, in home video. It ended up making you know 100 million plus in uh, over the years as one of uh, MGM's uh, highest grossing uh, home video releases. Uh, it's a movie that when it came out was widely derided. Uh, it it was nominated for a record number of Razzie Awards. Uh, Paul Verhoeven famously actually attended the Razzie ceremony to collect his worst director trophy. Uh, they had a kind of a sense of humor about it. It, it seems like their story has changed a little over the years. They yeah. they uh, uh, Esther House says that in the wake of the success of of Basic Instinct, Basic Instinct, they had a they had a lot of hubris happening. <laughs> And uh, they just decided to go to go all out uh, uh -huh. on this 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 crazy story that's sort of like uh, an all about Eve meets the Oscar is that same story of uh, you know a nobody uh, rising to fame by any means necessary, and um, uh, they it's not as entertaining as the Oscar, and it's obviously not as good as all about <laughs> Eve. No, Verhoeven tries to wants to say that it was deliberately shot as a satire and. And there might be some truth in that because, you know, uh, Verhoeven, some of his films that were not completely understood for what they were. And they're like Robocop was probably more clearly a satire yes. in its time. Starship Troopers. Starship Troopers. They mm -hmm. pulled out the same thing with, oh, yeah. it's a satire, which you could believe, uh, which maybe. we all believe. We love Starship Troopers. Showgirls is not a satire. No. They were yeah. taking themselves very seriously. Well, Esther House took out a full page ad in Daily Variety in response to the early uh, criticism and where he called the film a morality tale. He says, the movie shows that uh, that dangers in Vegas are often, uh, that dancers in Vegas are often victimized, humiliated, uh, uh, harassed verbally and physically, uh, raped by the men who are in the power centers of that world. Um, so it's so a he, cautionary tale. When Hollywood, yeah, he makes, was really when Hollywood makes movies about them. Yeah. So what what I love most about this, and you can see this clip on 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 uh, on uh, on YouTube uh, when the film aired on VH1. Uh, it's a, it's an NC-17 movie, and by the way, it is the it was the first and only NC-17 movie to receive a wide release so uh, in this country. Um, but uh, obviously, it could not air in that form on on television, so they cut 45 minutes out of it. And my favorite thing is the well, the terrible dubbing, uh, which is a hoot, and then even better, like the they would put these CG generated bikini tops and bottoms over the dancers in scenes. And they're so awful. It looks like an eight bit video game, nice. like bra over, over the, uh, over the dancers. And you can watch this on YouTube. It's, it's hysterical. Um, so, uh, and it also spawned a musical showgirls, the musical uh, in uh, about eight or 10 years ago in New York city. Um, but yeah, so that was uh, Esther House and Verhoeven uh, cranking it up to 11 and then just keeping on going and making this ridiculous, overheated melodrama about uh, about dancers in Las Vegas. You know, um, really a I, Busby Berkeley film with a lot of nudity. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I nearly picked this movie for 
for a cult movie week. Yeah. Because, you know, it really has kind of found a life as a cult film, as a, as a midnight movie. Um, that said, Steve, I, I need to remind you of something. Now, this wasn't going to be my pick. Okay. I'm just going to say that right up front. But you do understand that you're Monday, right? Not Wednesday. You, you've got that? <laughs> I, mean, I, gotta, it's fine. I, gotta... I wasn't going to pick it. But I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You well, surprised look, me with this one, buddy. I was a little, I was a little surprised. Well, I'm, you know, I said up front, I'm not a Vegas guy, so I go, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of these movies that I'm sure we're we're going to talk about. Um, you know, most most movies about Vegas are are about gambling or the the or the heists or uh, or or sex, and uh, so I, I went the sex route with uh, with Showgirls. I did see in the movie in the theater. Did everyone see this in the theater first run? Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. oh, of course. Yeah, I mean, yes. <laughs> I saw it at the Beverly Center, and and uh, the one of the worst theaters in the history of theaters. Oh my God! Yeah, it was in one of those tiny theaters where like there was like a bulb in front of the screen you couldn't see. It was the worst. Those those were the worst theaters. I you know, we, we we bemoaned the death of so many great movie theaters in our lives. That was not one of them. I was glad to see it go. I saw Henry V in one of those theaters, and and I think the theater literally had six rows of seats and about six rows across in each row. It was, it was wow. a shoebox. I think my living room is bigger than the the, the, yes. the movies, the you know, at the Beverly Center. Do not miss it. Well, that's a way. That's an interesting way to start us off on Monday. Wow, and that could be. I think. Oh no, you picked Midnight Cowboy, which was X. So I said this could be our first NC-17 movie, but we actually had an X-rated movie with Midnight Cowboy. So um, the 430 movie's getting a little saucy. Okay. <laughs> Tuesday, Darren Dockerman. Well, do, before I say what my Tuesday pick is, I just have to say that uh, when you mentioned the words highly derided, I immediately thought of Kyle McLaughlin. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just leaving that there. Um, so my pick... Uh, is, you know, follows along the lines of uh, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, especially if you can't remember what happened in Vegas. Son of a fucking dragon. Dragon roughing. And, and Son of a my, dragon. <laughs> my entire purpose was to ruin Son of a preacher Ashley's man. pick uh, with 2009's The Hangover. You want to go to Vegas without me? That is totally cool. What are you talking about? Well, you know, Phil and Stu, they're your buddies, and it's your bachelor party, and those two love you. Boys and their bachelor parties, it's gross. It is gross. I just wish your friends were as mature as you. They are mature, actually. You just have to get to know them better. Paging Dr. Douchebag. So live your life. This is Vegas. Through a night we'll never forget. What happened last night? (laughs) Am I missing a tooth? Whose baby is that? Check its collar or something. I looked everywhere. Nobody's seen Doug. I don't think I've ever been this hungover. What's on your arm? You were in the hospital last night. <laughs> <laughs> the only important thing now is that we find Doug. Where's your car, officers? Oh, God. 
I think it was just you guys and one other guy. Was he okay? He was fine. Just whacked out of his mind. <laughs> oh, we were messed up. Is there anything you can tell us about what may have happened last night? Congratulations, dude. You got married. He is wearing my grandmother's Holocaust ring. I didn't know they give out rings at the Holocaust. These gentlemen volunteered to demonstrate how a stun gun is used to subdue a suspect. Wait, Wait, what? In the face! In the face! I'm sure you're qualified to be taking care of that baby. Oh my god! We're getting married in five hours. Yeah, that's not gonna happen. Mike Tyson? This is my favorite part coming up right now. He still got it. Uh, which is uh, the first in a, a series of uh, uh, gradually uh, less funny movies. Uh, <laughs> but, the, but the first one is pretty darn good and pretty darn funny, I have to say. Uh, it has uh, Bradley Cooper... Zach Galifianakis, uh, Justin Bartha, uh, Mike Tyson in a role that will surprise you. Um, <laughs> it's very surprising. Uh, the lovely Heather Graham uh, and uh, a, a bunch of other uh, uh, unknown comedians uh, that, uh, you know, have uh, sort of very memorable little bit parts, so to speak. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty funny. It 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 skates the uh, it skates the 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 structure of uh, you know uh, screwball comedies. It's very physical comedy based. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of sight gags. A lot of uh, uh, just lewd and horrible jokes. Um, but it's very funny, and it's uh, you know it's also uh, kind of sweet in parts. But, um, you know, when I first saw it, I was laughing hysterically and uh, thinking of how uh, it didn't relate at all to my experience in Las Vegas. And that was a good thing. Uh, you know, uh, the whole it's, it's a it's a very sort of uh, very dirty humor in it, um, almost to the point of making you ill. Uh, but it's still. It's still within reality for some reason, and I, I don't know how they do it. Um, but it's uh, it's very funny, and and there's a, you know the later in the film there's a very funny scene with Mike Tyson that uh, people will enjoy, and um, you know Ed Helms is uh, you know made use of his uh, his fake teeth in the front uh, mm. that he actually had, uh, so when he shows up uh, at the end of this uh, uh, you know all night. Uh, party uh he wakes up and looks in the mirror and his two the front teeth are missing it's hilarious and it's uh, well worth the trip um but it's uh, it's great and you know the as i said the later films uh aren't as clever aren't as witty aren't as uh, just uproarious they're just sort of oh well let's do that again uh which is a shame because uh, i thought the hangover was a lot of fun i agree i think um Todd Phillips is a uh, is kind of an interesting director. He's got like a really good 
sense of humor. And it's funny that, you know, you, you kind of look at the things he starts experimenting with later in the hangover series, like hangover three, like you can just sort of see him doing things like, you know what, screw it. I'm just going to try to do an action scene right. or a tension scene or whatever. Um, you know, he's just kind of, he's, he's playing with the form a little bit, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, but I agree. Like the hangover is, is far and away the, the best of that series. Um, it was what gave the world Zach Galifianakis yeah. as a, as a presence. Um, and Ken Jeong is mm-hmm. awesome, uh, in that movie. I mean, he is just unbelievably hilarious when he, well, when he does the thing that he does and you'll right. know what it is when you see it. Uh, I defy you not to die laughing. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's also, it's based on a, uh, well, it's not really based on a true story. It was inspired by something that actually happened um, to one of the producers, Trip Vincent, who I've actually worked with. Uh, uh-huh. a decent dude, but uh, who like at his own bachelor party woke up and had no idea how the hell he'd gotten where he'd gotten, but he had a rather large bill uh, that he was suddenly stuck with and was forced <laughs> to pay and couldn't remember why. <laughs> and like it all sort of came out of that, but it's it's fascinating. It kind of captures the Vegas experience in a lot of ways. So I dig. I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a really funny movie. I I remember really enjoying it, and it's probably the biggest hit of any of the movies that we'll we'll pick, uh, yeah. for this week. It was it a did monster really hit. well. Yeah, and and very funny. Yeah, I think it was the uh, the the the. It made more money than any other R-rated comedy ever in the history of the box office, except maybe Beverly Hills Cop. It's bigger than U.S. Steel. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's uh, it's a great it's a great pick for this week. It's a hysterical movie. Um, you're right. I mean, unfortunately, like a lot of these comedy franchises, there should have only been one because mm-hmm. the sequels are awful. Um, yeah, and, like but the first, you know. It, what? Yeah, like Highlander. Highlander. And 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 uh, there but, should have you know, been only one. And, and I think it, it diminishes the you know the same way that the Matrix sequels sort of diminish the Matrix. It's kind of like these the sequels in a way diminish the mothership. Right. But um, the the first Hangover is just it's brilliant because it has like this noir plot. You know this whole um, amnesia amnesia. You know trying to put together what happened. It's like a detective film and. Uh, it's so clever and it, there's just escalating stakes and it just gets more and more outrageous. And, you know, Todd Phillips is, you know, is terrific. I mean, uh, you know, Three Kings is a really wonderful film and Hangover is great. Didn't he do three? No, what am I he talking about? He didn't do Three Kings. He didn't do Three Kings. But I he take did it the back. Joker. He did Joker. He did Joker. Right. Exactly. Um, but but Hangover is really a witty, wonderful uh, delightful uh, Vegas film. I'm not surprised that you picked it. Um, it, it definitely belongs in this week. It, it's interesting that one of the the main writers of the sequels was Craig Mazin, who of course went on to write uh, Chernobyl, which was absolutely phenomenal. I thought is a miniseries about the Chernobyl uh, meltdown. Well, he wrote two disasters, and then he wrote about a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my! Yeah, but a, a wonderful. Well, they weren't—they weren't financial film. disasters. No, they part, made a shitload the, of money. The sequel actually did better. The part two did better than part one. Well, as they often do. Yeah. Because there's so much goodwill towards the original, and it's yeah. another one that that you know, as big as it was, you know, on home video, it was sort of the heyday of DVD. You know, it did even bit, you know, enormous business on uh, DVD and home video. So by the time a sequel comes out, there's an even larger audience that's hungry for it. Well, but 
Uh, one of my friends is good. a studio executive um, who we actually know uh, said that they generally believe that uh, that when you're talking about sequels, the the money the sequel makes is really emotionally about the what happened on the movie that came just yes. before it. Right. So you can't really blame it and you can't totally credit it. Right. right. Which is why something like X-Men The Last Stand was the most financially successful X-Men movie until X-Men Days of Future Past. Right. But, uh, you know, it's nobody would say like, wow, X-Men The Last Stand was like the best of those first three X-Men films. It just wasn't. I've heard that same principle applied to television ratings, like the mm -hmm. ratings of a show is more... Uh, connected to the episode that aired the previous week. Like everyone's saying, oh my God, this episode is so great. You should watch the show. So everyone tunes in the next week. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know, the other thing is I, for a long time, I like to stay at Caesar's Palace. That was my hotel for a long time. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's, it's sort of like the Reese's Pieces and E.T. Like all these casinos turned down the hangover. They didn't want to be associated with mm. Caesar's let them shoot there. Right. And it did more for their business that I mean, it, everyone wanted to to go to Caesars because it was the hotel from The Hangover. So they looked like geniuses letting them film there uh, on the property, you know. Um, and I, you know, I was always a Caesars fan, but then you know, I like Bellagio, and and uh, I, I really, the last time I was in Vegas, I stayed at the uh, Delano, the Delano, um, right. you know, which is attached to the, uh, Mandalay Bay, the which Powerful. I really liked a lot too, um, <laughs> because as Darren would point out, that's the Site of our fate, our old fate, rest in peace, the great red square where we last encountered yeah. Mikhail Gorbachev literally <laughs> at the restaurant. And we're basically hulking KGB agents who wouldn't let us take pictures. <laughs> that was crazy. But uh, boy, they made a great filet mignon. Absolutely. Okay. So that brings us to Wednesday, and we've had Showgirls now and The Hangover, two very Ashley-type picks. Oh, so it'll guys. be interesting to see what is Ashley's pick for this week. So, boys, um, yeah, uh, wow. Um, you guys are fun. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you really, yeah, that was great. So um, I love your picks for Monday and Tuesday. And so the Wednesday pick is Monday and Tuesday. No, uh, <laughs> so, okay, fine, guys. So um, so you you took my pick, Darren. That's cool. That's great. Sure. I'm just going to have to go out of the box in a completely different direction. That's all. I can't go around it. I can't go over it. I can't go under it. I have to go through it. Through it's it. It's the black hole. No. <laughs> I have to go through it like it's um what's the word? Oh. It's uh, a word that was uh the title of this Clint Eastwood film from 1977. Mm. The Gauntlet. Clint Eastwood is back in The Gauntlet. You're flying to Las Vegas, coming back with a prisoner for us whom you will Remand to Cassidy County. I uh, work for Metro Squad. Why me? Your division commander says you're a man who gets the job done. My name is Shockley, and we've got a plane to catch. Let's go. Shockley's got to be stopped. Stopped hard. Open fire! If 
there are any casualties other than Shockley and the girl, someone's going to be answerable. You. I make the decisions. Who are you protecting? Me! I'm protecting me, okay? So lay off! When are you gonna realize I'm not the enemy? This bike stays with me. You three can take a hike. Hey, man, this is our choppers, Charlie. This is my gun, Clyde. He thought he knew everything about survival. Until he met a girl who knew more. What if he gets through? He can't get through. What's wrong with you, man? This is the bus. I don't give a damn if it's a Queen Elizabeth. Get your hand away from that lever. He's gotten this far, isn't he? How many units have you deployed? Four dozen, five dozen. And those marksmen you're using are the finest on the force. He knew he was a good cop. And this was his chance to prove it. Me, I'm going in. Why? At least someone will know I tried. Who, Blakelock? No, me. All set? Ready. I suggest we let Shockley drive right into the city. Now we have his route. We clear the streets along his route, deploy our men, and create an impassable barrier. A gauntlet, if you will. He won't have a chance. This is the biggest day the city has ever seen. And the odds are a hundred to one they won't make it. But they're willing to take that chance. Clint Eastwood, in the gauntlet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 1977 action piece uh, for, directed by Clint Eastwood, starring Clint Eastwood, uh, also starring Sandra Locke. Sandra Locke. Who he later married and then divorced. Um, and uh, I believe that this was the movie where they met, where they began their uh, their romance, and then they did Sudden Impact yeah. together. Um, but it's a great little plot. You know, it's uh, Clint Eastwood uh, stars as a cop who is assigned to escort a prostitute from Las Vegas to Phoenix for a, for a trial. It's, she's a nothing witness in a nothing trial. And all he has to do is get her from point A to point B. But what he doesn't know is that the information that she has, like what she's walking around with, implicates um, somebody incredibly powerful. So he is not just trying to get a witness uh, to Phoenix from Vegas. He is trying to get her past a gauntlet of uh, of cops who want him dead, some of whom are even his friends. Um, and it's just a great little movie. And it shows off, you know, Clint Eastwood's his stoicism, his toughness, and also his sense of humor. There's an amazing scene uh, where, like, they stop at a biker bar and, uh, you know, he knocks over, like, one of the Harleys. And it's just, like, one of my favorite movie quotes. I don't know why. Like, you know, the, uh, the the bikers all come out and they're all pissed at him. He's like, that was my bike, Jack. And he pulls out his gun. He's this is my gun, Clyde. And I just, I love it. I, I just, I love it because I love everything about Clint. Um, it's fun. It's fast-paced. There's a great uh, conceit for an action sequence at the end where they're driving into Phoenix and they have commandeered a bus and they've put all the sheet metal on it and they've turned yeah. it basically into an armored car and they're yeah. getting shot up 
as they drive into town to make it to the trial. And it's just fantastic. It's like, it actually would have been pretty at home in planes, trains, and automobiles week. Now that I think about it, um, because they do everything. There's like, you know, they're on a train, they're like hobos. Um, but, uh, but it's, it's like I said, it's like, it's, it's just a very simple straight ahead concept um, with some really great performances from Clint and from Sandra Locke. Um, some really great action direction from Clint Eastwood. It has the the great Pat Hingle in it, uh, who Clint Eastwood had worked with in Hang 'Em High. That was directed by Ted Post, um, and uh, you know it's just it's it's super fun. It's super cool, um, and uh, you know it's it's Wednesday. And let's not forget, Ashley, the iconic poster painted by none other than Frank Frazetta. Wow, that's, you know what? Holy crap, really? I did not know that. But that is a great poster, by the way. Yeah. I I, I don't know if I've ever actually seen the whole movie. I feel like I've seen it on television, probably on the 430 movie or equivalent. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I I remember that poster so vividly. It was on, I remember it being on the backs of comic books. I remember seeing it everywhere uh, that year. Clint Eastwood, the gauntlet. Well, I remember watching it like late night with my brother, who was like six years older than I was. So I'm watching it going, oh, he still is. what is this about? He still is. That's the best <laughs> part. <laughs> yeah. Just that never changes. It's so weird how that works. Uh, but yeah, I remember like watching that late at night and going, I know I should not be watching this movie. Yes, somehow <laughs> I am. Nice. Yeah, I'm not as big a fan of the gauntlet as you are. I think it's a much better concept than execution. I love the concept. Been mm-hmm. in a lot of pitch meetings where people bring up the gauntlet. Um, uh, you know, I don't. I don't think the action scenes are that great. I mean, the, the, the scene at the house where they escape to the dead. There's just there's a lot. Uh, you know, I think that's a film that a remake would really help. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that could be remade very well today. It also is. There's a lot of seventies isms, not the good seventies isms that we see in a lot of great seventies movies. Um, you know, some stuff that's very dated, some, some, um, normally I don't get uh, bogged down on sort of the cultural stuff, but there's some stuff that's, you know, um, very of a different era. And, mm-hmm. uh, um, you know, look, Eastwood's always entertaining. It's not, not entertaining. I mean, right. it's definitely entertaining, but it's such a great premise. It's so, you know, so delicious. It's kind of midnight run without the jokes. Um, and I'm not a huge Sandra Locke fan. Uh, although I liked her better in this than, than in Sudden Impact. Um, right. But uh, it's a good pick for Vegas week. It's a good, you know, it's, it's, a, good, it's a good pick. And, uh, you know, it's a good movie. Not like, a it's movie. certainly not like at the, at the top of his, uh, of his oeuvre. And I no. think that he was coming off of, um, was he coming off of High Plains Drifter or Outlaw Josie Wales? Oh, that's a good question. I can't remember, but yeah, uh, but I, I know that either. he was starting to um, to play around with um, with doing more contemporary things after having done a couple of the, the westerns. Yeah. Um, yeah. And by the way, just if you haven't seen High Plains Drifter or The Outlaw Josie Wales, great, great, which are both much better movies. <laughs> yes, they absolutely are. Yeah. They absolutely are. Just like yeah. you know, Unforgiven is a much better movie than Pale Rider. Yeah. Anything's better than Pale Rider. Oh my God, Pale Rider. <laughs> Which is sort of a remake of High Plains Drifter, but just was not. Well, great. it's a remake of Shane. Yeah. And a bad are. one at that. Yeah. So, okay. Before we get off on Clint Eastwood week here, yeah, right. which we, which we, I'm sure we'll be doing soon. So I don't want to talk too much about, uh, about Clint Eastwood, but that's a great pick for Wednesday. So 
that brings us to to Thursday. I you know, it's funny. My, my my wife was saying to me on uh, but she just listened to Shark Week and noticed how Steve took my pick. Uh, <laughs> uh, open work. She said, "You know," she said, "You really got a difficult spot there on Thursday." And I said, "Yeah, I know." Fortunately, this week nobody picked my pick, but there's it, you create another quagmire for me, which is what feels oh, right. What oh, you know? I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna guess. I, what I know says. what he's gonna. You know what? Let's all guess. Well, um, okay. Uh, by the way, I, I want to tell you, you're not gonna guess. You're gonna guess what? What I'm coming very close to picking, but based yeah. on what you guys, what you guys um, have said. I'm going in a different direction because I want to balance the week. Not you know, true. it's like a seesaw. If I go with my first pick, the seesaw goes all the way down. And then the, the, <laughs> if I if I give you this my other pick, it balances it out. So I'll tell you what my pick is not going to be, which w- which was almost my pick. And you know, I thought there was a pool down there. Yeah. 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 What do you got there? Diamonds are forever, right? Diamonds are forever. Diamonds yeah. are forever. See, so you think I'm so predictable. <laughs> First of all, let's 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 talk about Diamonds Are Forever. Diamonds Forever is not a very good movie. It is no. not. But it, it is you a know, great, it is a great record of how Las Vegas was. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But so is my one of my favorite TV shows of all time, Crime Story from on NBC. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, you know, the teaser is half-hearted. The whole plastic surgery thing. Um, Willard White speaking. You know, Charles Gray is Blofeld. I loved him as a kid on the ABC Sunday Night movie. Now I look back and I'm like, what was I thinking? How did I like Charles Gray as this mincing Blofeld? He's terrible. Um, <laughs> you know, it's uh, uh, it's um, you know, Jill St. John is great. There's that that great stuff. Uh, you know, when he pretends to be Peter Franks. And I always say I love the elevator fight with him and Peter Franks just because instead of this big, expansive thing that you see in a fight scene, it's this claustrophobic elevator. And then he pulls the bait and switch. But then, of course, she says, um, she goes, you just killed James Bond. Like everyone knows who James Bond is. This is the problem with Bond in the 70s. And of course, it's such a Tom Mankiewicz, goofy, campy Bond movie. And the lovely Mm -hmm. Lana Wood as plenty of. Oh, well, Lana Wood's great. Uh, (laughs) Plenty of tool. I love Named the car. Father, I, I, I love the car chase down the strip where with where you see just all the tourists just standing on the sidewalk yeah. watching. The right, film. they're filming the a James chase. Bond movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I'm thinking absolutely. of the insurance, like, oh my god, you know, I can't imagine them doing that today with like members of the public, like as cars but are street racing past. There's a lot of iconic stuff in it. Obviously, Mr. Wint, Mr. Kid. If man were meant to fly, Mr. Wint. He would have given him wings, Mr. Kid. And then, of course, Bambi and Thumper. Yeah. Breaststroke lessons. You know, a lot and, of and good a, puns. And a, and a great theme song. The theme song is great. Sure. It is. Shirley Bassey. Yeah. Right. Shirley Bassey, so, great. And a great score by John yeah, Barry. Absolutely. But if that wasn't your pick, Mark. Not Thursday. What was? What, what was, was your Thursday? pick? What, it's not we'll Diamonds do. Are Forever. Right. <laughs> Got it. I'm going to tell you the film that's going to bring balance to the force. Are you ready? Nope. Okay. <laughs> Barry Levinson's Bugsy. I uh, knew Warren it. Warren Beatty uh-huh. and Annette Bening. Hollywood has always been fascinated by gangsters. In 1943, a gangster became fascinated with Hollywood. 
just had this suit pressed. Take your paws off it. So one guy came in here and robbed five guys of $56,000 in their own place of business and got away scot-free. The rest of the time, you're just another good-looking, sweet-talking, charm-oozing fellow with nothing to offer but some dialogue. Why don't you run outside and jerk yourself a soda? Who are you referring to? Prenum fruitcake? If I were you, I would get that money back by 7 o'clock tonight. Famous isn't good, Ben. For Clark Gable, it's good. For Joe DiMaggio, it's good. Famous for you, it's not good. Ben! He's my brother! And you think you can steal from me, from Maya Lansky and Charlie Luciano, and get away with it? You are going to kill Mussolini personally in the middle of a war? Ben, I don't understand this desert thing of yours. What are we, Bedouins? What are you talking about here? A whole house. I'm talking about a hotel. I'm talking about a place where gambling is allowed. Your destiny, Las Vegas. A hotel in the middle of the Mojave Desert, 500 miles away from the nearest toilet bowl. Truth is, he's not even interested in money for himself off this deal. He's interested in the idea. What idea? Building something, making something. Then he's a dreamer. Blow my head off! Do it! Do it! What fantasy have you concocted in your sick mind? I believe he was blinded by love. Benny's always put women first. That's what makes him Benny. Only this time it's one woman that's got him instead of the whole damn female race. I'm sure you're right about the things that you want to get. About do you always everything? talk this much before you do it? I only talk this much before I'm gonna kill someone. That is on my screen as we speak. Well, did you think I was going to pick it or was that your pick? No, that was my suggestion for Friday. Ah, well, look, Bugsy's great. Yeah. Beautifully shot yeah. by Alan Davio. Barely, it's about the founding of Las, of Las Vegas. You know, um, Warren Brady's so good in it. And there's a great supporting cast. You got Bill Graham as Lucky Luciano. Uh, ben uh, Ben Kingsley as Meyer Lansky. Um, no, he's not Meyer Lansky. He's... No. Uh, no, Meyer Lansky's Harvey Keitel. Right. Um, but and, nowhere uh, to be seen a, is Mo Green. No, Mo Green. <laughs> it's not you don't go to plaque. Vegas and talk to a guy like Mo Green like that. It's not uh, even a plaque. <laughs> not right. Not even a plaque. Not even a movie. <laughs> but uh, but uh, but Bugsy, Bugsy is just a terrific. It's so beautifully yeah, shot. Gorgeous. It's a great score by Ennio Morricone. Um, Warren Beatty's terrific as Bugsy Siegel. And it's all about, you know, his vision to start this gambling mecca in the desert. Yeah. It's about the birth of Las Vegas. And I think it's a wonderful movie. I love it. It's not a lot a movie a lot of people talk about. Um, it, you know, it's kind of a movie from the 90s that's kind of got lost. You know, I think it's one of the, Warren Beatty's last great movies. I know a lot of people think Bullworth is. I think Bugsy. I think Bugsy. You know, Bullworth does yeah. not stand the test of time. I think oh, Bugsy Bullworth does. Bullworth is great. Bugsy's great. Bugsy's great. Well, Bugsy's and, great too, but Bullworth is. And it has so many great lines. And Joe Montagna as George Raff. Montagna. What Montagna? Whatever. George, Joe, I Montagna. believe you mean Joe Montagna. Joe Montagna and Joe Montagna. Joe Montagna. <laughs> yeah, whatever, however you pronounce. But anyway, he's 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 great as George Raft. You know, and yeah. the, the whole idea that Bugsy is taken. Here he is, this big gangster, <laughs> and he's he's completely 
um, enamored with Hollywood, enamored with with uh, Hollywood. And that, there's that great scene where he ends up buying the house. Yeah. Um, uh, from from it's just there's so much about this movie to love. I, I'm sure a lot of people who are listening haven't seen it. I, I strongly recommend yeah, you check it, it out because I I think it's yeah. a great great movie. Yeah, you know that that inspires me to watch it again. I don't think I've seen it since it was in theaters mm. in the '90s, and I, I thought it was terrific. Yeah, yeah, and it's just beautiful. I mean, this would have been great for a cinematography week. There's that scene where he's trying to seduce Annette Bening on the set. Um, and, you know, they're standing having this whole sort of, you know, screwball comedy kind of seduction um, on the soundstage and then, you know, the lights go out and yeah. it's just, it's just really, um, it, it's great. It didn't do that well. It cost a bunch of money. I don't right. think it did all that well. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously, you know, Warren is, is um, a control freak and, uh, you know, anything he works on tends to go way over budget because he's very meticulous. But in this case, you know, all the ingredients of the soup, the soup came together. Yeah. No, it's, it's great. And, uh, you know, the great, uh, Alan Davio, uh, director of photography and uh, production designed by Dennis Gassner. Uh, you just can't go wrong. No, no. And it's great period. Look, Dennis Gassner did a great job. It's a really great period. Uh, you know, the period stuff's great. What uh, I like about it is that it, um, it really kind of highlights something that I find fascinating about Vegas. And I feel like maybe unique in all the world for any city in the world is that Vegas is a city that should not exist, right? right? Because it did not spring into existence along a major thoroughfare. It did not spring into existence along the railroad. It did not spring into existence on a waterway or on a major body of water, right? It just simply appeared out of the desert you know, uh, out of some active, horrifying it was, will. That, willed that, into that, existence. Exactly. Yeah. And it's just the fact that it exists at all is both wonderful and terrifying all at the same time. Yeah. I, I mean, I just find it endlessly fascinating. It's like, yeah, it's like mythological. It's almost like it's... It's almost like a. it should be like a fantasy city. Oh, I guess it is kind of a fantasy city, but it's like, you know, it's like this incongruous place of Sin City where you go to indulge in all your vices out in the middle of the desert. It's it's kind of magical. Well, you in know, that people way. were always interested in like, you know, the the mob and, and like the uh, organized crime machine running like New York politics or Chicago politics. But this was an entire city that was created and minted by the mob. Well, and not, necessar not necessarily. That, that's what we think. But it certainly got its got its uh, second rebirth as a mob city. However, I, I saw a documentary on YouTube about the creation oh, well, of go. Las Vegas. Well, no, the creation of Las Vegas before that. Um, you know, in the uh, in the 1800s, and it actually did grow from a uh, a natural uh, uh, water source, and uh, it 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 did grow out of that sort of the 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 Wild West kind of attitude, where they wanted to you know manage their own stuff, and they were very uh, strong in in their own control of the city's destiny, and that's one of the reasons why. Uh, it was so attractive to, uh, you know, mob ties. Uh, yeah, but but Vegas would not be what it is with today without the, the, the mob. Of course yeah, not. Of course not. That's not what I'm saying. No, but be, by virtue of it being out in the middle of nowhere, there's not. it's not easy for outside forces to have any control over exactly. it. Exactly. And the whole history, of, I mean, we could just do a whole thing on this, but like the whole history of that city, I find fascinating. Like what finally, and it's the irony of it is, what finally broke 
the mobs control over Vegas had nothing to do um, you know, with the police. It had nothing to do with the feds. It had nothing to do with any of that shit. It had everything to do with a former Cuban special forces operator who showed up after the aerial boat lift, um, wound up in Vegas, put together a crew and started hitting casinos. He hit them so hard. He missed them up so bad because he was, again, he was spec ops trained, man. It was like, he was, he was the shit. He like, he taught these guys how to do what they did. Um, and it just, it knocked the mob back on their asses and it made it possible for the, uh, for the, for the, you know, the, the casinos to be bought out by companies like MGM and all of that to come in and, and turn it into a resort town, as opposed to what it had originally been, which I just, I find all of that fascinating. Everything about Vegas, I just find interesting, which is why whenever I visit, I write it off. Because mm. it's the fodder for future ideas. That's right. Because someday, my friends, someday, someday right, the ultimate Vegas. There's movie. stories in Vegas. All kinds of stories in Vegas. That's you know, Darren, we one one movie we forgot to mention that had been picked on a previous show uh, was your pick for Casino. Absolutely, which yeah. you picked uh, for Absolutely. Scorsese Week. If I yeah. don't, remember. I I just watched it again last week. I love that movie, and it is uh, it is a uh, you know it is the tale of uh, the mob's last years in Vegas uh, yeah. and their, their, their loss of control over the city. And it's, it's fascinating and it's uh, so well, well done. Yeah. That, that was going to be my real... pick until I remembered that we'd already picked yeah. it. <laughs> I, I read a great book a couple of years ago called whale hunting in the desert, which was all about, um, uh, you know, these, these casino hosts and how they rope in, the the have big spenders. I, I'm I'm just amazed that we've never seen a movie about that side of the business because it's so mm-hmm. interesting. Um, yeah. uh, just these these guys, you know, who who basically go home to their walk, walk up one bedroom apartment, who during the day are taken around, uh, uh, you know, these millionaires and billionaires, and you know, basically catering to their every whim, and you know, throwing around hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. It's it's crazy. Well, there's, there's so many things like that, like this, these these little subcultures and just the way these things interact. Like um, uh, many years ago, I I was I learned how to play blackjack and count cards from the MIT blackjack team. Yeah, because I was going to do a movie about them because they were pissed off at the one guy he sold like twenty one or whatever the fuck it was. They wanted yeah, to do their yeah. their own thing, mm-hmm. and the things that I learned about how those guys operated were just fascinating and their relationship with the security guys was just fascinating it was like you know it was like um you know the wolf and the sheep dog how's your mom ed oh pretty good yeah you know it's like he just kind of, but then the you know you ring the bell and suddenly you're on the clock and everybody hates you and it but once you're off the clock you know they were they were telling me a story about one of their their friends uh who was on the team who went missing and they were really worried about him. So they went to the security guys and all the security guys and all the resorts started comparing notes and what they had on video mm-hmm. and helped them find him. And it just blows my mind. Like it just Wow, that's so interesting. Because you know, it's funny because my third film, the one that I was I would offer up for Friday is exactly the movie you just mentioned, 21, mm-hmm. uh, with Kevin Spacey and, and Tim Sturgis and uh, Kate Bosworth, which is not a great movie, but it's a really good movie, even though they took huge liberties with the book. Yeah, huge liberties. And the book took huge liberties with reality. I mean, I could have another like whole conversation here about card counting, but I'm not gonna. 
Because, You're saving uh, it for Vegas. I'm saving it for Vegas. <laughs> no, it's, well, it's, it's interesting. It's like people have this idea of what card counting is, and it's just, it's not that. It's not that at all. Um, fun fact, the and this is off topic yet on topic at the same time. The uh, the people that the uh, that the blackjack teams love to recruit yeah. weren't like genius math dudes. It was Marines. Do you know why? Why? Because the Marines the plan. would learn the system and stick with the plan, and they huh. would not mm-hmm. vary from the goddamn plan. They would absolutely execute. They wouldn't try to outsmart themselves. They wouldn't like try to get clever or anything, no matter what. Even if they were ridiculously smart, they stuck with the plan with horrifying discipline. And that's why they were able to flip the odds. 1% card counting just flips the odds 1%, but that 1% can add up to so much when you're talking about a team. And this is what, again, this is why I find this stuff fascinating. I don't know if you guys can tell from how I'm talking about it, but this is why I love Vegas. It's just the humanity boys. The humanity. I don't know. I don't know if we've picked this movie. We must have at some point. Because I seem to remember us talking about it, but Rain Man. Yeah, we yeah. never picked Rain Man. Another Barry Levinson movie. Another okay. Barry Levinson driver. Um, but its section that takes place in Las Vegas is absolutely brilliant and beautiful and fun, and uh, yeah, very sparkly, very sparkly. <laughs> <laughs> but, it's a great performance by both of them, by Dustin oh my Hoffman God. and Tom Cruise. It's great. Yeah. And you know they're they're counting cards uh, into a uh, uh, five deck shuffle, and uh, right. except that, you can't. That ain't easy. No, it's it, well, it's just a probability density, and you just you you aren't actually like doing anything but doing um keeping account of like of it's a binary count. It's plus one, it's minus one. Yes, and that's thanks. it. Thank and you, you Raymond. Probability density over. Thank the you, shoot. Raymond. <laughs> right, you're, you're, you're welcome. <laughs> but it doesn't do you much good unless you have a team. Unless you are doing multiple tables, it's it. it well, that's it's not what happened in the movie. Actually. Well, yeah, I know, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, this makes it. Ashley uh, Dustin Hoffman. I guess we're Tom Cruise. Yeah, in this scenario. Right. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Last time anybody accused I'm an excellent that. driver, <laughs> Larry Galino. Yeah. Uh, other other suggestions for Friday? Looking to get uh, out. Well, one of my <laughs> one of my backup picks or my alternate picks was uh, 1978's Corvette Summer. Yeah, mm. starring Mark Hamill as a uh, a young uh, high school uh, senior who's uh, resto- lovingly restores this Corvette Stingray, which is stolen and is uh, spotted in Las Vegas. So he heads to Vegas to try to find his beloved car, mm. which is basically the plot of Amazon's Wayne. Now that I think about it. Um, except it's it's Florida. But I have to ask you something, Steve, and this is a very serious question. I'm, I'm asking you this as a friend. Uh, you're Monday. Why do you need a backup pick? <laughs> Unless I changed my mind at the oh, last uh, second. Or if I, okay, okay. I, and also, I didn't... Uh, <laughs> I didn't do my research uh, in terms of uh, if uh, showgirls have been picked. And if you said, oh, we picked uh, showgirls. I'm like, oh, crap, we that's did. Why, that's why you're that. the man. You're always prepared. <laughs> well, you know what my pick is? Baja. We don't have anything in Baja. I'm sticking with diamonds are forever. <laughs> <laughs> um, I could go for that. But- also, another movie that I worked on, Honey, I Blew Up the Kid, where a giant 60-foot uh, baby uh, attacks... Uh, the old, uh, the old downtown Las Vegas, uh, and actually shot on location mm. before they put the lid yeah. on uh, Fremont Street. Right, um, it uh, that, another good record of uh, of how Vegas used to be. 
I got one. Sean Connery is back in <laughs> Diamonds Are Forever tonight. <laughs> now, my uh, another another movie that I thought about picking was um, a movie a, a long time in the making. It was, I think, it it. it it was nearly made a couple of times over the years and finally made by Terry Gilliam in the nineties. I'm talking about fear and loathing in Las Vegas yep. based on mm-hmm. the Hunter Thompson book. And I I, 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 this is a movie I thought I would love because it combined two things that I really love. I, I was a big fan of Hunter Thompson. I'd read a number of his books and, uh, and spotted him in the, in, in public a couple of times. And, um, and Terry Gilliam, I was a huge fan of, you know, all of his films to that point. And this movie came out. I was so excited and it was kind of underwhelmed by it. But uh, it's been a few years since well, I've seen it. That's because you weren't on drugs when you watched it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's really funny because uh, I felt the same way as you, Steve. I love Gilliam. I was really looking forward to the movie. I find Hunter Thompson fascinating. I just did not dig that movie. Agree. Okay. Um, kind of what about Go? Doug Liman's movie After Swingers. Go. Go. I yeah. love Go. I think that was uh, John August. First. Yeah, John August wrote it. And Doug Liman, it was his follow-up to Swingers. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people said, look, Liman doesn't deserve any of the credit for Swingers. It really was Favreau. It just it was Liman because his dad had to put some money into it. And he had a camera, you know, but it was really you know, Favreau's film. And uh, with Go, Lyman proved that he was quite a good director. Yeah, Lyman's yeah. the real thing. Yeah, he is. He's just, you know, he's a difficult personality. That's it, you know. But um, but I love Go, dude. I think mm-hmm. that that's like a really smart movie. It, like, it takes a lot of chances with structure. Um, mm-hmm. It's really, really funny. The scene where they get high in the apartment and the cat is there, like, and the cat just looks at the kill me. I, I just, <laughs> I love it. When they go shopping, like at the uh, the grocery store, it's just it's terrific. <laughs> also, a movie that I think has largely been forgotten. You know, mm-hmm. you don't hear yeah. people talking about Go much. Forgotten. Yeah, I mean, because there's like another movie from the '90s that people forget, but it deservedly so. Smoking Aces, oh, which, well. other than <laughs> its cast, is pretty bad. But Go yeah. is great. There's a couple of things. So, Smoking Aces is like it, it's obviously it's it's not a great movie. It has like some pretty bug fuck action scenes and there's a moment like in that movie that i just can't get over like where chris pine is in it and he plays this lunatic redneck stone cold killer Mm. and he just he shoots ben affleck and uh and it's just this insane scene where he is sitting on top of ben affleck's corpse and he's moving his jaw and having a conversation (laughs) with him right he's like i'm real sorry i kid you oh it's all right it's all right that you killed me (laughs) It's there's stuff like that strewn throughout the movie. It doesn't hold together mm. at all. Um, right. But it's but it's definitely it's definitely different. I'll give it that. I think I need to uh, also mention a uh, the feel good movie of 1995. Oh shit! Uh, no, Nicolas Cage <laughs> leaving Las Vegas. <laughs> um, yeah. Mike Vegas. Yeah. yeah, I like that movie. I think it's I, do too. I do too. I do too. It uh, I do too, but I never want to watch. Doesn't it make you want to go to Vegas. No, uh, <laughs> but it's a good movie. It's a, it's really, a really good, good movie. movie. Great performances. Yeah. Elizabeth Shue. Um, Elizabeth Shue. Yeah. If the shoe fits. But on, um, on, the other, on the other on the other spectrum, we have honeymoon in Vegas, right? The flying yeah. Elvises. And that also a Nick Cage. Right? fun. You know, I want to point out also, so Darren doesn't get hate mail. Um, 
that he picked Lost in America a few weeks ago. Yes. Which is another reason that movie will not be mentioned on tonight's Correct. broadcast. But that would also but qualify you just for this it. week. And it's, of course, uh, w that wonderful scene where Albert Brooks tries to get his money back yeah. uh, from the casino. Um, I have one uh, out-of-the-box thought. And no, it's not. Diamonds are forever. Um, <laughs> uh, Francis Ford Coppola's One from uh, the Heart, one from where the heart. they completely built... Las Vegas on a soundstage. Yeah. And, you know, for whatever its many failings are, it's a gorgeous movie. Storaro shot it uh, to look at. The sets are extraordinary. Um, it, it, it's a very interesting experimental movie with Frederick Forrest and Raul Julia and Terry Garr. And, um, you know, while it's not a great movie, it's, it's really an inspired one. You know what? Yeah. I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's you know this is when his experimental phase after Apocalypse Now. So he comes yeah. back from the wait, Philippines. Wait, stop. How was Apocalypse Now not part of the experimental phase? <laughs> <laughs> well, he comes back and he doesn't want to be you know out in the jungle again. So he decides he can shoot an entire movie on a soundstage. And what he does is he sign he shoots it all on video first, and and then he shoots it almost like a play. He's in this. Winnebago, like this, he controls everything almost like a live TV broadcast from like a control room off the set. He never goes to the set. Everything's controlled from off the set. And I forget what it was called. The this, silverfish this, or something. The silverfish, or, right. Yeah. He controls everything from the silverfish. And, and he's just going from camera to camera. And he's doing these in-camera dissolves and these weird transitions like you would in a play. You're using scrims to change. It's very interesting. It's like his, his voice a, is, uh, is being transmitted to the stage like Charlie and Charlie's Angels. Right. <laughs> so he's basically, he basically did previs before previs was cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly what it is. And, you know, he was always ahead of his time. And uh, they released the movie and it didn't do well. And I think they, they you know, oh, no, he like the, the distributor who he had dropped the film because, of course, he was over budget. So he, he, he talked about gambling. He put all his money on one from the heart and it didn't do very well. And, uh, you know, that's why he was he did all those mediocre movies through like the late eighties and nineties because he was trying to dig out of this financial hole he was in. Well, the, um, the second time he was in a financial hole. Yeah, yeah exactly. He was always, he was <laughs> always in those situations. Um, yeah, one, oh, one absolutely. Thing, I mean, it's a recurring theme in his career. You, you mentioned Terry Garr. One little bit of trivia. Terry Garr is also a dancer in the 1964 Viva Las Vegas with Elvis Presley. Ah, Bright light city gonna set my soul, gonna set my soul on fire. Got a whole lot of money that's ready to burn, so get those stakes up higher. There's a thousand pretty women waiting out there. They're all living, the devil may care. And I am just a devil with no despair. So Viva Las Vegas! Viva Las Vegas! and Margaret. Viva the excitement when these two let themselves go on a wild and woolly whirl through Funtown, USA. Yes, the sky's the limit for love, laughter, and those wonderful new sounds. She love, love, loves me. Would you like to make a bet? I said the lady loves me. 
When this boy falls, he really falls hard. But who wouldn't when the girl is seductive Anne Margaret? Once I met a nice old man upon the village green. I helped him cross the street into his limousine. Next day he sent the biggest brooch I've ever seen to show his appreciation. The eyes of Texas are upon you. You cannot get away. If you think I don't need you, well then baby you're wrong. I give, give you my heart today, tomorrow, and forever. And it's a pleasure to hear a man's opinion and not have to listen to the stubborn ravings of a boy who won't grow up and... Which is another movie for Friday. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, that, and that might be the right one. The you know, the, the Elvis Presley Viva Las Vegas. And uh, as Count Elmo Mancini, Cesare Danova. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, Viva Las Vegas, I know for a fact, was on the 430 movie because they Absolutely. used to do Elvis Presley week on Absolutely. the 430 movie. Yep. And of course, it has that song that I can't quite remember right now. Uh, I think it's called <laughs> Viva Las Vegas. Jailhouse Rock. <laughs> right. Something yes. like that. I think we've uh, we've picked both Godfather, the first two Godfather films. Yes. So that's the yeah. reason that we won't be discussing them. Correct. Although well, because Godfather 3 sequences. doesn't take place in Vegas. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That'll be part of Cuba Week. Right. Oh, and of course, there's <laughs> another, week. Uh, another uh, possibly best forgotten sequel. Uh, National Lampoon's Vegas Vacation. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We won't <laughs> yes. talk about that. Yeah. Um, the, Bert the, Wonderstone. Bert Wonderstone. Yeah, that was Steve Carell and uh, magician. Jim Carrey. Yes. Yeah, Steve I remember magicians. that one. I actually saw that one. It's terrible. Um, I would nominate the film with Steve Wynn about pirate babysitters <laughs> from the Treasure Island. You know what? You just like <laughs> pirate babysitters, Mark. There are no pirate babysitters, so there. Oh, yes, Steve Wynn told me. If you know where to find them. Oh, and be, I got to go on YouTube and see if you they have that. The that was the best video ever. <laughs> and they would show, you know, the pirate battle outside at the Treasure Island. Then they thought it was two kids, so they changed it to T.I. Like nobody would notice. Right. There's still these giant pirate giant ships outside. Pirate ships in the front that don't do anything. Um, Avast, this child is filled its diaper with pieces of eight. Can I get a change here? Pieces Arr. of what it ate. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 you know, and I, and I think that uh, 
you know, the sequels, uh, Oceans 12 and Oceans 13, uh, don't really belong. No, they're terrible. Because, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, they're not. T- the 12 isn't bad, but uh, yeah. Oceans 13 is. I remember I had a great trip to Vegas. We were very nice. This is a lesson why you should sleep. be nice. We were Sorry. very nice at the Bellagio, Darren, and I to, oh, the, yeah. um, to the to the lovely woman at the at the front desk, and she upgraded us to a suite. It was so great. I didn't see Darren the whole week, it was and we shared great. a suite. I mean, he was so far away. It was it, I never had to see it him. It was exactly like you see in movies. This this suite with a bedroom on one side, bedroom on the other side, and never the twain shall meet. It was and amazing. you know why? Because we were nice. We right. didn't even b- break out the $20 or $50 bill or anything. We we're just like, we were, we came and we were just joking with her and we were and, really friendly. And we had Amex. And, and yes, and we had Amex. <laughs> but she, she took pity on us right. and she gave us this amazing, yeah. uh, amazing suite. This was a while ago, but that, that, that was, the, you know, that was Bellagio and that was not a. Uh, it was not a, a, an inconsequential room. Yeah. That was a good trip. I, I remember it. That was a fun trip. A lot of good trips to Vegas. The more I think about it, would, uh, would something like Con Air uh, yeah. count? Does it ends in Vegas? Yeah. yeah. You know what? Yeah. If another Nicholas Cage, can what ends start in Vegas, Vegas stays in it Vegas. It can end in Vegas. Uh, <laughs> and speaking of ending Vegas, I think it's time we settle on a film for Friday. Yeah. Um, I, 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 for me, it's either Viva Las Vegas or Diamonds Are Forever. I agree. I yeah. I th- I think we got to go with Elvis. Do you? Not yeah. James Bond. No. No, because because you know Blofeld was a little Liberace in that movie. Does that count? No. If Blofeld had been played by Liberace in right. that movie, <laughs> that would have been so great. The amazing Chandel. <laughs> I wish my brother George were here. <laughs> okay. No, but, I think I think. What do you think about this Viva Las Vegas, Steve? Well, I haven't seen Viva Las Vegas, but I like Elvis Presley, and we've already done a whole week of James Bond movies. So, yes. but we didn't do Diamonds Are Forever. <laughs> Uh, no, I agree. And, and you know what? <laughs> Diamonds are forever doesn't need our love. It's not worthy of our love. No, no, no. You know what? They paid Sean Connery enough for that one. <laughs> yeah, they sure did. Never seen ever. Well, I, but I used to watch it on the uh, ABC Sunday Night Movie all the time. They played that a lot on the ABC Sunday Night Movie. And I always enjoyed cheap. it. Yeah, it's cheap. It was cheap. It was cheap looking. You know, and cheap Bond, you don't want to see Bond in America. Every time Bond yeah. comes to like was Vegas bad. or Miami, it's always cheap and just yeah. not good. Look, when you're when you're stuck to shooting inside Circus Circus, things are bad. <laughs> oh God, I know. Oh yeah. man, I remember going there because of Diamonds Are Forever. I went right. to Circus Circus, thinking like, it was going to be this great day. I'm like, I got to wash my hands. This is before COVID. I mean, it's like, geez. Oh, so yes, good anyway. Well, I think we have a week, gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Let's go through yeah. it again for those people who are joining this uh, broadcast already in progress. Steve Melching, Monday. Monday is Elizabeth, Elizabeth Berkeley, Kyle McLaughlin, Gina Gershon, and Robert Davi, and Paul Verhoeven's Showgirls. Tuesday, it's Darren Dockerman, and Tuesday, if you can remember it, The Hangover. <laughs> hangover. Wednesday, hangover. it's Anything Can Happen Day with. Ashley Edward Miller. On Wednesday, we have Clint Eastwood's 1977 opus starring Clint Eastwood, Sandra Locke, Pat Hingle, and No Monkey, (laughs) The Gauntlet. On Thursday, it's Barry Levinson's Bugsy. And on Friday, it's Elvis Presley and Viva Viva Las Vegas. Viva Las Vegas. Vegas.
<laughs> and on Sunday night, it's Diamonds Are Forever. Sean Connery is back <laughs> in the role. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, we didn't say that. We didn't agree to that. Uh, but we are leaving Las Vegas. Yes. And uh, I want to say this is another fine episode, gentlemen. And of Very course, if you're fine. a fan of the show, please let us know by rating us five stars wherever you listen to podcasts. And please uh, check out our other sister podcast, the Leverage Redemption After Show is now airing exclusively on the Electric Now app. You can download that wherever you get your apps. Uh, all our uh, shows are available uh, for on streaming, so you can check check us out uh, on the Electric Now app. You can also watch Cartoon Bar Room with Steve Melching and Ashley Miller as they talk about the latest and greatest in animation. Darren Docterman and Mark A. Altman talking Star Trek every week on Inglorious Trexperts, or you can listen to our curated audio commentaries on the Trexperts Briefing Room. And of course, best movies never made with Steve Scarlatta and Josh Miller as they talk about films that never saw the light of a projector bulb. And uh, we want to thank our producers, the lovely and talented Bill Ritter, the great Mark Rivera, the president of the Ashley Miller Fan Club. Uh, he's been so generous with his praise. We're so lucky to have Mark Rivera. He's doing a great job. We're, we appreciate it, Mark, and we appreciate the encouragement. And then, uh, of course, our producers, uh, associate producers, Zach Raggetts and Peter Holmstrom, our producer, Natalie Miscali. And uh, if you want to follow us on social media, you can find the 430 Movie at 430 Movie Podcast on uh, Twitter. You can also find the 430 Movie on Instagram and on Facebook. So wherever you go, there you are with the 430 Movie. <laughs> so uh, until next week, we'll be in Vegas, but we will be back. And until then, Eyewitness News starts now. How lucky can one guy be? I kissed her and she kissed me. Like the fella once said, ain't that a kick in the head? The room was completely black. I hugged her and she hugged back Like the sailor said, quote Ain't that a hole in a boat My head keeps spinning I go to sleep and keep grinning If this is just the beginning My life is gonna be Beautiful, I've sunshine enough to spread it's just like the fella said Tell me quick Ain't love a kick In the head Like the fella once said Ain't that a kick in the head The sailor said, quote, ain't that a hole in a boat? My head keeps spinning. I go to sleep and keep grinning. If this is just the beginning, my life is gonna be beautiful. She's telling me we'll be wet. She's picked out a king-size bed. I couldn't feel any better 
or I'd be sick Tell me quick Boy, ain't love a kick Tell me quick This show is produced by Dean Devlin and Mark A. Altman and is an Electric Surge Network production.